All right, so it's 18 minutes past hour of nine. This is 97.3 CTFM, and we're going straight into the Effective Living series. And today we're talking about man versus machines. We're asking how uh, technology and machines will affect your work. This week is focused on professional development. My guest is a co-founder and executive vice chair of Rankart, a leading engagement software platform that connects global brands with relevant audiences. He led Rankart's evolution to conversational discovery with AI and social recommendations following success in mobile content distribution technology with developers and brands including Google, BBC, VOA, MTV, ESPN and uh, global carriers in more than 25 countries and three continents. Now I'm proud to co-founding Rankart. Kofi worked with Dell Computer Corporation as a senior analyst in the BIOS technology team where he filed a patent. He began his career at Radiant Systems Incorporated and Whirlpool Corporation in systems technology, software automation an online commercial platform while earning a degree in computer engineering from Vanderbilt University. Also a fellow of the Aspen Global Leadership Network and serves on the boards of IC Assets Managers and Genius Hive Music Academy. Interests include ancient military history, which I find interesting, particle physics, <laughs> and gourmet coffee. Coffee Dazi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's great to have you. How are you doing? And how is technology? You are you are you are my technology guy. <laughs> I'm still learning. Um, mm. The more you learn, the more you find out you don't know. Mm. The more you know, the more you know how little you know. Right. So this week we are talking about careers and professions, and I felt we should talk about technology and what that means for people's work generally. But I feel you need to talk a bit about how. We've interacted with technology as societies generally before we come to the Ghana specific case because as we speak, uh, there, there are people who feel that they are not ready to deal with the change that's coming. So I don't know how far back you want to go in talking about technology and its effect on uh, our work. Stone Age. Stone Age. Stone Age. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stone Age. So, <laughs> man versus machine. Mm. Didn't used to be a versus. Okay. So basically, right from if we can start from the Stone Age, man has made some basic implements which help us to be more productive, mm-hmm. which give us better security, um, help us to acquire more food, um, mm-hmm. uh, give us shelter, mm-hmm. you know. So, and then we've um, developed implements to help us do better in, f- in farming and in areas like that. So basically, we've had a positive outlook on how technology improves our lives. Mm -hmm. But as we have advanced technology, it's begun to have a scenario where those who are advancing it gain an advantage over those who don't have its use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, one very interesting example is um, in the, I think in the 
early 19th century. Mm -hmm. Actually, between about the 16th and the 17th, 18th century in England, mm -hmm. the introduction of certain machines in the space of producing fabrics caused a lot of social upheaval because those machines meant that unskilled workers who had not gone through the apprenticeship system in the guilds were now working excessively long hours in factories and producing higher quantity at higher rates than those who were the previous masters in the space. Mm -hmm. So it got so bad that certain people made it their duty to go out there and destroy the machines mm -hmm. so that they could preserve what they saw as their right to be in those specific occupations. Mm -hmm. I would like to introduce um, a, a catchphrase I have used before, um, early last year at Springboard, mm -hmm. em embrace the machine. Embrace the machine. Embrace the machine. Mm -hmm. So while the theme is man versus the machine, mm. what I'd like to speak to is encourage people to embrace the machine. And what does that mean? Mm. Um, the machine that we appear to be anxious about is the intelligent machine. Mm -hmm. The machine that can begin to do things that have typically been the preserve of humans. Mm -hmm. Visual perception, the fact that I can see something I haven't seen before and interpret what it is and what it is like. Mm -hmm. Speech recognition, hmm. the fact that I can understand what somebody is saying to me that I'm hearing. Language translation, the fact that I can take content in one language or dimension and mm -hmm. translate it into another. So if you look at what some of these things are, Mm -hmm. It means uh, cameramen are in trouble. Mm. It means international interpreters are in trouble. Um, but also, we're seeing marketing automation. We're seeing accounting and law, contract proofreading, things like that evolving. In fact, in uh, Philips University in Marburg of Germany, Mm -hmm. Last year, they introduced a robotic professor who was giving lecture, lectures and, and, and acting as a teaching assistant. A robotics? A robot? A, a robot. A, ro a robot? In the classroom, teaching. giving lectures. And one of the neat things that hey. this robot introduced was the ability to profile on the basis of data each student's unique learning um, needs, hey. each student's specific struggles with the content of the course mm. and to tailor instruction uniquely for them and assistance for them so that they could learn in their most meaningful way. That's something that certainly a single lecturer or 50 students cannot do. Wow. <laughs> so that's the kind of emerging technology that justifiably should cause anxiety. When did we reach this transition? Sorry, so this transition from machines doing high-level calculations and things that require a lot of skill to things that were the exclusive preserve of human beings like visual perception, speech recognition, and language translation. Because those seem to be more qualitative. That's right. So, so where, when in the technological evolution did this become the, 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 the norm? That's right. It's, it's an excellent question you're asking. Um, the study known as artificial intelligence, 
um, has evolved since about the 1940s. Oh, really? In more recent times, mm -hmm. deep learning neural networks in machine learning has matured as a result of increased data mm -hmm. and increased computing resources. Okay. So that the statistical methods that have evolved in the data science we're dealing with, what has evolved into machine learning, has also been significantly enabled by the amount of computing resources we have that's able to work on the large um, gigabyte, terabyte size data sets that it takes for the current algorithms to learn. Mm. What are we saying? The way machine learning works or has advanced today to where it's become significant in our lives, to where machine learning is being used in decision-making, like who can safely be given a loan and of how much, mm -hmm. where it's being used in certain jurisdictions and decisions like determining what prisoner is safe to put out on parole ahead of their release. Mm -hmm. These algorithms require large data sets that mm. they typically will study for patterns. I see. So what's actually happening mathematically mm -hmm. is that you are feeding a large data set on some topical area, mm -hmm. be it, um, say, maybe hundreds of thousands of news articles in an area, mm -hmm. be it, um, uh, say, a citizen database that stores certain actions that mm -hmm. people have taken. And then what the machine learning model does is it creates a new mathematical function that represents an understanding of mm. how when you feed in a certain input, you can make a certain determination as an output, which is a desirable mm. and useful output. So it actually creates its own mathematical functions based mm. on the data set you give it. Mm. Bernard, what we are all used to doing from school is being given a fixed function to which when you apply a problem, the function knows how to get an output. Here we are turning it around. Mm -hmm. The function does not exist. What you're doing is you're giving the machine a large data set on a topic mm -hmm. and the machine derives a new function which it uses to make predictive outcomes. So the maturing of that in the last 10 years especially, and if we look at... Um, research in specific countries, the US, mm -hmm. UK, Canada, and Israel has been focused particularly on an area of deep learning called neural networks. Neural networks are modeled on the brain's biological neural system. Okay. Where the average neuron in the brain, and the neuron is like a basic computational unit. You can think of it like um, a brain cell which when it receives input, knows what other cell to connect to, to process the input and to understand it. Mm -hmm. The average neuron in the brain is connected to about 6,000 other neuron um, cells in the brain. And mm. we have hundreds of billions of these neurons in the human brain, which connect to form a neural network. And that's how we process information. That's why when I see you, I know you are Bernard. I recognize the mm. color of the shirt you're wearing. I'm able to compute with you in a language. Okay. So what we've been able to achieve recently is to 
pattern and approximation, a very small approximation mm. of how the human brain learns, processes, and computes mm -hmm. in a way that machines can, and I say an approximation because we're not even one-tenth of the way to what is called artificial general intelligence. That's the level of reasoning a human can do. We're still more in the... Um, more of a linear logical ability to perceive but once the machine has these large data mm. sets to work on it's able to make these determinations mm. that far outstrip in Great. many cases what humans will do okay so we're talking about man versus machines embrace the machine so you've said a lot of interesting technical things so a question for you which people will ask is which industries are we seeing the most technological disruption which are some of the key industries that whereby disruption I mean machines are doing what human beings thought or ought to be doing and therefore traditional jobs in that sector are under risk or at risk so the short answer is every industry every job function every service in which critical decisions are made to determine how the output is achieved okay are at risk mm. so to speak okay a again we're talking from the man versus machine mm. perspective one study by uh mckenzie and also um published through an article on the bbc um projected that by 2030 mm -hmm. about one-fifth of the jobs we currently see would be taken up by machines in developed countries it would be about one third so one of the mm. arguments in the study is that for those of us um, in countries like Ghana, where supposedly we don't have enough money to invest in automation, mm -hmm. we will be far less affected in, mm -hmm. in terms of bringing in machines to replace our jobs. I'm not sure I agree with that aspect of the study. Okay. Because on the other hand, when we have areas where we've significant developmental gap, mm. for instance, if you look at our phone line penetrations in countries like Ghana prior to the advent of mobile telephony, mm -hmm. we were miles behind the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. In the introduction of not just mobile telephony, but the prepaid um, system for people acquiring credit airtime, which kind of um, democratized access, mm -hmm. we have penetration and we have had penetration more penetration of over 100 percent of our population for years mm. so we are able to leapfrog in the very areas where we are most behind so if we consider where we need the most transformation areas like food um well food or hunger depending on how you look at it mm -hmm. health education um i'm not sure i mean in a country where we've recently introduced drones for distributing mm -hmm. uh, medical supplies. I'm not sure it's so true that we are not going to jump in with automation. So Ghana is also at risk. I, I think humankind, if you look from the risk perspective, mm. we can't even predict. It's an unknown. We can't even predict the level of risk. Mm. Now, I'd like to, apart from the case of the robotic lecturer, mm -hmm. and I think most of us students would embrace a robotic lecturer. If we're in a classroom where ultimately this lecturer can continue to work with us outside of the classroom on the basis of mm -hmm. the data about us and helping us to be able to understand and learn in our own way. I'm mm -hmm. sure we would embrace it. But, um, Bernard, your field also... Even so, in media? So imagine 
look at the number of stories you publish a day. Mm -hmm. If we look at it from, say, what you do on air, what you do TV, what you do in um, digital print. Mm -hmm. Your stories take a lot of human labor and mm. time to produce. I'm not sure whether, given your current capacity, you could produce, say, 20 to 50 stories a day. We produce about that. It's more, definitely about 40 to Around 50. 40 to 50 a day. Mm -hmm. Good. Now, so you categorize them into, say, maybe news, Sports, business, sport, business uh, entertainment stuff like and that. stuff, yeah. If you look at Ghana's population mm -hmm. of, say, 30 million people, if you look at our geographic dispersion, if you look at our varied interests, mm. they go on a daily basis way beyond, mm. especially when you begin to personalize mm. that the person sitting in Brahafu and what they are interested in at 9 a.m. this morning versus the person sitting in Ho versus the person sitting in Cape Coast and Nakra, mm -hmm. they all have different concerns and interests. Yes. If you could produce variations of the news in their language, in their context, to their specific interest, including what's happening in their locality, mm -hmm. you would have to produce a thousand articles plus a day. Yes. You couldn't staff yourself and make enough money by dispersing the news like that. However, mm -hmm. an AI could do that if it was given the right data set. Artificial intelligence. That's right. <coughs> if it was given the right templates mm -hmm. and the data to work with, it could produce that and there have already been examples of that done by Western media outlets like the Washington Post as far back as 2017. There's another interesting aspect. It's not only creating highly personalized variety of stories, but mm -hmm. it's about stories that need to evolve. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's lots of things changing, mm -hmm. changing so fast that your editors will not be able to go back and publish as many rejoinders and changes. But what you're looking at is by the time X person should come to read the same article, mm. it should have evolved to all the changes which have happened in that space. But now behind all of this is one critical asset. Mm -hmm. It is data. 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 Mm. You asked the question about the evolution of artificial intelligence and machine learning to its current stage where man feels somewhat threatened by mm. the advancement in our work. If, and I'm quoting Kaifuli in a book called AI Superpowers. Kaifuli is the gentleman who set up Google's office mm -hmm. in mainland China. Mm -hmm. He says, if AI is the new electricity, data is the fuel. Wow. Because all of AI, all of machine learning is about taking a large data set of things that have happened and been recorded, which you can call the truth, mm -hmm. right? And doing what human beings would seek to do, interpret it, in, um, ingest it, understand it, and make meaningful determinations out of it. Mm. So economies like ours that are mobile first, if you look at our mobile money penetration, mm -hmm. So if you look at the variety of payment types and transactions that mm -hmm. many Ghanaians are doing today, all of that is data recorded. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, we have created a data economy without even closely paying attention to or understanding it. Wow. I don't think, again, as is referenced in that article, that we are that immune mm. from what the next obvious step is. And there is... A, Nigerian-based company mm -hmm. called Migo okay. that has a product, Quick Money, mm -hmm. that has used um, 
data on um, mobile users from telcos to mm-hmm. do credit pre-profiling um, pre- profiling, mm-hmm. and has been able to do millions of instant microloans to wow. users at the point of purchase. How does that work? They look at your spend, your uh, whatever, transactions on your phone. So imagine how many credit analysts you would need mm-hmm. to go to say any of our telcos who have what, 5, 10, 15, 20 million users and say that they are going to profile each user, mm-hmm. look at your data record history since you had your number i've had mm-hmm. my mobile number for what, maybe 15 years look at my history mm-hmm. of even say airtime top-up calls and all of that and say you're going to build a credit profile based on that times 15 million people you could not do that mm-hmm. however since machine learning just by its very construction studies large data sets to establish patterns for making decisions it just mm. opens up a whole new world mm. of the ability to make fairly highly accurate determinations that are useful in in stuff like lending wow i think um soon areas like our school placement mm. right could be augmented by uh, being able to put together data sets we already have mm. and 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 have a much sharper more efficient outcome mm. i think some of the questions that we are dealing with with uh, validity and credibility and verifiability of our citizens and electoral data sets the neat thing is this mm-hmm. we have the data we are collecting the data we have other data sets what you have with bets and debt dvla um, statistical sensor data records mm-hmm. if you juxtapose if you connect in fact the key here mm. is about graph theory, mm. which is about the connections, the meaningful connections between data points that help mm. you understand, you know, what something really is, could be, could mean, or what value you could get out of it. Mm. So that's what the AI revolution is all about. It's about this evolving data economy that ultimately should allow any type of organization, mm. whether it's a school, whether it's government, whether it's a retailer, whether it's a telco, whether it's a bank, mm whether it's local government, whether it's central government, to make better decisions. Effective Living series on how to prepare for the technology revolution. Embrace it. That's what Kofi Dazi says. Now, questions are welcome. 0549986996. It would seem to me, Kofi, as if the financial services sector in Ghana certainly has been the most affected. Um, because I don't remember the last time I went to a bank. And because my bank account is linked to my mobile phone. And therefore, I can send money from mobile money into my bank and I can withdraw money at least up to a certain amount. So if somebody is employed to serve me at the counter, they wouldn't employ that, that many people. And if they can look at what I do on the phone to determine what I need, they may not even need to hire somebody to manage me that much. So I think we've already seen a disruption in the financial services. And because we're in the middle of it, we can't seem to see the size of it. Now, what's my concern is a lot of people are going to school to study banking and finance, accounting, and they want to work in financial institutions. Now, we already have a banking crisis that has a financial sector issue that has led to people losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. If we look at the technology disruption that's happening, can you visualize how financial institutions will look like in 30 years? I mean, if you if you came in a time warp, and, I mean, this is 2020. So if you 2050... By which time, maybe our kids are the ones running the economy. That's right. How will a, a typical GCB look like? So let's take one step 
back. The banking hall scenario disruption is too easy. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about and thinking about industrializing, mechanizing our economy for a while on yes. the basis that that will create jobs. Mm -hmm. We've got that wrong. Because today's factory environment actually is increasingly being automated. In fact, there is there are machines, there are robots that can do basic things that don't even have AI or artificial intelligence in them. When you add that, mm -hmm. then they are able to move up the management ladder. Then they are now actually making senior management decisions as well. Mm -hmm. So there are certain areas that we shouldn't even start talking about. Let's industrialize to create jobs mm -hmm. because there's a significant shift there. Mm -hmm. Now we jump into the services space. Mm. Let's jump into the banking hall. Mm -hmm. Yes, if a bank has a hundred thousand customers it wants to serve effectively and it wants to grow to a million, mm -hmm. it's not likely to build a sustainable operation if it had to have a linear growth of its banking, customer service, banking halls, cashiers, infrastructure to do that. Mm -hmm. So naturally, it's going to look for automation. So let's say that the first aspect of what happened did not really take away the jobs mm -hmm. or decrease that, but what it enabled was expansion in... Um, total customer base and assets for financial institutions without a corresponding expansion in their staff size. Okay. Okay, so that was the first concern. Mm -hmm. The next one becomes where certain jobs, which, are, which maybe would need to be staffed with three, four, five people who could make 10 determinations a day, mm -hmm. will now be staffed with one um, human assistant supervisor and make 10,000 determinations a day. When, the human is um, advising the machine. Mm -hmm. So maybe the, the human is doing the quality assurance review to see whether the decisions the machine is making, mm -hmm. some of them are coming out with what you call false positives. Mm -hmm. So again, you see an exponential increase in productivity for the organization, Okay. but you will see a reduction in additional jobs for the increased work. And in some cases, mm -hmm. People leave and they are not replaced. Now, the general trend is that we need to move into new areas of learning. Bernard, if you have a kid who you think is gifted in languages today, mm -hmm. and so you started to guide them career-wise to say, oh, they should go and study languages and plan to be an international interpreter because those are very highly paid mm -hmm. people with jobs at the UN and so forth and so on, mm -hmm. I would warn you, mm. today... Um, I have my friends in Saudi Arabia, whom I went to school with in Vanderbilt. Mm. I'm able to type out using my Gboard app in WhatsApp in English and set it with a Google translator to Arabic. I can and, chat with them. And they receive it in that language. Wow. There is a Google Buds earpiece continuing to evolve today. Mm. If you add 5G low latency networks to that mix, it means I have this small thing plugged in my ear. You could be speaking in Chinese, you're standing in front of me, I'm hearing you real time in English. Wow. Or I could be having a phone call or a direct video call translation. Or a VR call. Direct real time. It's already in existence. And it's in existence. In fact, it's only getting more accurate. Mm -hmm. And the more we use these devices, and that's the beauty of machine learning, the more accurate they become to our nuances, our diction, our accents, our mm. voice, intonations. 
you know, our voice inflections, the smarter they become because they have variables that are looking at all these different elements and constantly learning mm. and constantly learning on a personalized basis. So that the way I pronounce a word versus the way you pronounce that same word can be understood by basically the same application. Wow. Okay. Let me recover a question and then ask you how do we prepare? You say we should embrace. What does that mean? What how should that how should I change my learning or my preparation? Unemployment is increasing because of machines. So how do you manage man and machines at the job sector? Christian Ameko from Tem McBoon. Hi Ben, a great discussion on AI there. My name is Daniel. AI runs on 5G network. How can we do robotics without a 5G network infrastructure? Interesting question. So it means we are not ready. Do we have 5G in Ghana? Almost. We do? Okay. Now, whose job is, is it to manage the unemployment versus technology efficiency thing? Is it a government thing? or Because private sector always wants efficiency. Government always wants more people to be employed. How do you make that balance? Who's put policymakers do That's a that? very critical policy discussion that is globally barely gaining shape and structure. Mm. Um, again, if we look at the historical antecedents, mm -hmm. when man introduced basic machines and evolved them, certainly um, you would end up with maybe a bit more free time on your hands because of how much more productive you could be with the mm -hmm. machine you have. Usually what happens is when you gain a bit more efficiency and therefore free time, to yourself mm -hmm. usually you find something more useful mm. to do that the machines can't do yet okay so first of all yes there will be job evolution mm -hmm. the challenge is that there is so much unknown because of the pace of technological advancement that we are not able to pinpoint and say um this is how we'll evolve the law degree or the accounting de degree or the medical degree mm. when you are facing a situation situation like that, then you should introduce some asynchronous process thinking. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Don't approach it um, in your typical linear logical way. Okay. What I mean is this. Let our kids continue to do the kinds of studying they have in school with those printed textbooks, which, by the way, become obsolete merely months mm -hmm. after they are. But at home, keep them focused on things like games. Mm -hmm. And by games, I mean computer games, mm -hmm. music and building things like puzzle and doing things like art. Games, music, puzzle, art. Okay. What do those things develop? So games, multiplayer role-playing games, mm -hmm. which are powered variably by complex computing, in some cases by artificial mm -hmm. intelligence, introduce them comfortably to the virtual world they like harrison god <laughs> they like my kids love fifa yes introduce yours them a bit older <laughs> to the virtual world and to become more technology native and that's my key phrase mm. technology so native it's natural to them it's they, they think it's natural it's intuitive mm. It's, mm. it's 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 what comes first okay so when I go to embracing the machine, mm. that's where you do it. Make them technology, digital natives. Native, mm. so that they are comfortable with the machine as an interlocutor in their lives. Mm. Mm. It's not something that's coming to disrupt. Something it's something that's... that they understand innately and are learning how to create and control. Those two key things. After all, mm. let's not forget it's man that creates the machine. Exactly. Right? So, that's... I think one. the most important thing we can do for those of us who are already old mm -hmm. and, and fixed <laughs> in our areas of uh -huh. employment, um, we should pray and plead for more bandwidth. 
that's what we need what we need is more access to learning content wow we're trying to stay relevant mm. that's the challenge we all have how do we stay relevant mm -hmm. well if you go back again in history to times when only a few people could read therefore mm -hmm. only a few people could come and tell you mm -hmm. what is happening or how to interpret the world around you mm -hmm. once printing and mm -hmm. publishing became mainstream all of a sudden we could all pick up a book and an article and read and understand mm -hmm. and we could even also now we're in an era where we can all publish we can put out our arguments and our reasoning and, mm -hmm. and, and make a case for, for what we want it's that same kind of evolution it's an empowering evolution mm -hmm. if we say let's acquire let's make it more easy to acquire the knowledge we need to stay relevant in whatever field of endeavor whatever area we have our gifts in. and i think that is key mm -hmm. i i i am a person of faith mm -hmm. i believe in the gifts god has given us given us. Mm -hmm. So I think when we're analyzing, even from a policy level, how do we keep our populations employed? Mm -hmm. We need to dial all the way down to, well, what's man made of? Mm. What are we making machines for? Mm. What are our concerns in society? And that brings me to an interesting um, comment Bill Gates made. He said, well, why don't we have the robots pay income tax? And then <laughs> if we're at home, we can uh, have a welfare, a high-level welfare system from Mm. the uh, robots working interesting stuff good morning please ask your guest if a career in data analytics is the best to consider now that ai machine is taking over industries mike from kasua yes so i think data science and as an introduction to machine learning is especially for those who would normally go into computer science and engineering for their field of study mm -hmm. that's certainly and absolutely the direction to go into what i will warn mm -hmm is that data science and machine learning as a study mm -hmm. is far more complex in terms of the level of mathematics, economics, and statistics learning mm -hmm. that you need to be able to comprehend. Mm -hmm. So all the um, calculus, the vector mechanics, the linear from. algebra, three-dimensional matrices Sally. that we uh, barely got past in exams <laughs> it's coming back big time you have to have an intuitive understanding of, of these, these things. things to be able to build but from but the but up. in the era we are in learning is much easier right because look i i know that when i was in the university i didn't have enough bandwidth to go on youtube to even learn how to solve certain equations now there are certain things i need to learn you can go somebody will solve it for you and my point is that even though you need to have those basics learning is much easier because there's more information let's go back to when you asked about 2050 the yes. question is will we need to learn in the way we think about learning exactly at all? remember the movie matrix 20 years ago when the first version came out mm -hmm. the lady trinity had to fly a helicopter so she downloaded the flight program to her brain yes today it would be a self-flying exactly helicopter. in 2015 maybe you wouldn't even need to fly at all <laughs> so i think how we think about learning mm. and how we think about work mm. is what's going to change the most mm. and the real scary thing is whether we are inhibiting our next generation from being ready for that world mm. and i think the, the key question is also how do we improve life because it's not just technology for the sake of so-called efficiency gains to make more money it should actually be for the betterment of society so how do you deal with pollution how do you reduce crime how do you increase 
name good neighborliness. I'm not sure if we've thought about technology that way. A lot of times people feel technology is rather making people too individualistic. They don't spend enough time doing social interactions. But I feel if you look at the challenges we have, we don't have good sanitation. We don't know where people live. People are, there's too much crime. I actually think technology should be a tool for for improving human quality life. Bernard, you've hit the nail on the head 100%. Mm. Mm. There's two key things you've done here right now. Mm. You've asked a series of fundamental questions that affect the quality of our lives. Mm -hmm. And mm. then you suggested that to address those questions, we should orient technology to do so. Mm -hmm. So I think the difference between us mm -hmm. in the less developed world and developed nations. And when I say developed nations, some of these nations have been developed for thousands of years. Yeah. Is that every time leadership has an important problem that needs to be solved, mm -hmm. they call their scientists and engineers. Mm. 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 Whether it's in the field at war, uh -huh. and Caesar needs to build a bridge across the Rhine of a size and span that has never been built before. You know, or it's Alexander the Great having to reach out to conquer a city on an island when he has no navy. Uh -huh. First thing, you call the engineers. Uh -huh. You state the problem. Uh -huh. You ask the cogent questions uh -huh. and then you leave them to go and figure it out. Yes. If we do the same and if we do so locally, and I, I often say this, we should not outsource our most important national problems. We should put them mm. in front of our problem solvers and challenge them, be it in education, be it in health, be it in the production of food. Mm. We should frame these problems and assign them to be solved locally. Yes. That is actually how you create the type of high-level employment that is in the form of responding with technology. Yes. Very good. Impressive conversation, Bernard. Kofi has sufficiently engaged a subject devoid of jargons and technology denominated words. The next level of the conversation is training. the training shift from a policy standpoint to determine our readiness for the fourth revolution and artificial intelligence. This is from Albert, who is also in the technology space. Bernard, please ask your guests whether you can download the Google Translator from Play Store and his contact. I don't know what he means. Couple from Ashaman, Google Translator. Yes. Um, so um, the the you can get the Google Translate as an app on your phone, but mm -hmm. you can also have it embedded in, say, the Google keyboard, mm -hmm. so that you can use it more directly in your messaging. Finally, if if there's I don't know how to put it. What material should people read to prepare their minds? Because maybe I'm somebody listening with their staff at work and you've heard all this. What, so what next? What should we do? Should we go and get some book and read? Should we go online and Google something? What's the next thing we should do so we are now... We, we get deeper into this understanding of where the world is going. For the policy maker, I would say they should start with Kai Fu Lee's AI superpowers where he juxtaposes... What? Kai... Kai Fu Lee is the name of the author. Kai Fu Lee. Yes. And the book is the called? The book is AI Superpowers. AI China, Superpowers. China versus the USA and rest of the world. So he juxtaposes hey. the Chinese environment, which in AI research and discovery is behind the traditional West. But can I get it on Amazon? Yes, you can. Kai Fu Lee. Kai Fu Lee. So he shows how an economy that looks more like the Chinese versus the Western mm -hmm. is able to, as a mobile first economy like ours mm. is able to come quickly up to speed and even win in this space mm. so i think for policymakers, that's a good book to go after great for the rest of us mm -hmm. there's a whole range from the dummies 
series yes. to your high-level O'Reilly okay. books, okay. where I think exploring the subject, because on, on certain, for, for pe people at work in places where you're doing a lot of decision-making, whether it's in government or in financial mm -hmm. services, um, Amazon's AWS is putting out tools, so is Microsoft, where non-technical, non-engineers can frame machine learning models on mm. the data sets they work with. So the space is evolving to where soon some of these tools will be like our using of Excel and Word and PowerPoint, yeah. where we can all use them. Mm. Um, but just understanding the world around you, how it's changing your world of work and mm. what these tools are, um, mm. there's just there's lots of reading. Lots that, that can be done. Interesting. So we're thinking about the top 10 companies two decades ago, and you will find a lot of companies in extractives and a lot of car manufacturing companies and then Coca-Cola and maybe IBM. Those are the top companies. Yes, Aramco is one of the biggest companies in the world now, but if you look at where we've headed, so if you take from the 90, even the 80s, mm -hmm. so you had all these General Electric, General Motors, and all these ExxonMobil, Coca-Cola and yes. stuff. Today, the most influential companies, the largest companies, Google, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Apple, Facebook Amazon. Ali, Alibaba, Alibaba, Amazon. That's right, yeah. So, if you don't even read any history book, just looking at corporate and what's the, shift. And what's the common denominator, the one critical asset these companies all have a lot of? Um, so, you can say... You could you could say big data, data. and they are built on plat. So it's like a platform. In fact, everything they do yes. is ultimately data gathering. Data gathering, brilliant. So if, for listeners, this is just to let you know, if you don't even read any book at all about where the world is headed for, just Google top ten companies in the world 1990, top ten companies in the world 2000, top ten companies 2010, top ten companies 2020. The type of company showing up there tells you where value is being added. So data, he says, if AI is the electricity, data is the fuel. I think that's just powerful. If AI is the new electricity, data is the fuel. Kofi, very insightful. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. As, well, as ever. Co-founder of uh, Rankard, now a vice president and a big man, just reading and just giving lectures abroad. Charlie, you're a champion guy, Charlie. When I grow up, I want to be like you. <laughs>